0: This episode is brought to you by my wonderful patrons. I'd like to give special shout-outs to my top tier patrons, David from Portland, Tom from Pancake Analytics, The Snorlaxian, Connor from Rock Pokemon, Mike, Night Knight, Hogan, Big No Face, and Matt from FerrariTron. I also can't forget, today's episode was executive produced by Leo. Thank you so much for believing in me and backing the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to support these episodes, become a patron. I have two tiers at $3 and $5 a month. Joining the first tier gives you exclusive access to patron posts and a vintage card from my collection signed by me. The $5 tier gives you access to everything you get in the $3 tier, along with also having access to our Discord community. It gives you the opportunity to talk to other collectors, discuss market performance and news, show off your mail days, and of course, ask questions. Whether you join or not though, I still appreciate you listening. Absolutely, which talking about opportunity, and hitting when you know hitting when the window is available for 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 finding good opportunities. I'm just curious because you you started out with baseball. So you're obviously familiar with other sectors. Um, you know, this ain't nothing new. I'm curious, uh, how you feel about, um, other sectors right now, like magic, the gathering or flesh and blood. Have you been kind of looking at those markets? Are you invested in any of those, or I guess just collecting, I, I say investing always, because that's uh, usually where my mind goes, but really just, just collecting in general, have you been kind of looking at those markets and seeing what they're doing?
1: yeah, so I have not. Um, you know, for me, I really I take pride in in the wisdom of the the only thing that I've got that's a benefit to being sixty in two months is is wisdom. There's nothing else, okay? Don't get old. It's not fun. So <laughs> as much as i as much as I do the best I can, I do appreciate what I've learned and being able to leverage that knowledge for better. Results and outcomes in the future of my life and the folks' lives whose help I provide to their lives, whether or not that's my clients friends um friends in pokemon world, whatever, so what I've learned is focus is critically important. Mm-hmm. there are so many moving parts just to Pokemon, and if I want to make money i'll I want to do it what i in what I know and I want to do it in pokemon mm-hmm. so whether or not to to move to anything else for me would be a a fool's exercise because there would be way too much of a learning curve. Um, And I don't necessarily, I don't ever, you know, you talked about that FOMO and we all talk about that at at some point. And, you know, I don't worry about like people say, well, what about Bitcoin and what about NFTs? And, you know, I I don't feel like I'm missing out on, I, I don't worry about missing out. I worry about making money, capitalizing, enjoying the perks of being involved in what I know. Mm-hmm. And the relationships I get from that, the people I've met in the hobby, growing my collection. So um, I've always taken a very humble kind of approach. That's who I am as a person. A little money is great. I don't need to make a killing in anything. I just you know want to be able to hopefully make a, some dollars that I can either provide to my family or provide more cards for myself in maintaining the extensive collection that is. Is people don't realize. People always want a deal from me, but they never want to give me a deal. And they don't understand how much it is cost to mm-hmm. put this thing together for the last 15, 17 years. Because I'm still buying four sets a year in every collection box and every theme deck and every, 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 every. So it it adds up, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. and. I mean, I can definitely understand that because when you're moving into other hobbies, like what you're saying, there's, there's such a learning curve. There's so much to learn. I I actually do feel a little bit that way as well, just because I do look at other markets. Uh, Like I've, I've, I've built up a cool, a pretty cool collection with like Fortnite cards. So I'm really, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be really interested to see where that goes and, and, and getting other, you know, thoughts on that and seeing how it grows. But, um, um, yeah, as as far as those other markets go, um, yeah, it's it's really tough. <laughs> it's really tough. I couldn't even really give you like very uh specific information. I, I, I would never call, consider myself like expert level in those hobby sectors. So I think that's part of like what's nice is I like to be involved in a lot of things, but it also comes with some cons too. So I, I think that's just something that I just accept and move on and just kind of, you know, continue just to enjoy the things that I enjoy, even though you know, I don't necessarily, you know, with everything that I do, I don't necessarily can think of it as like from a actual investing perspective. The first thing I do is I look at it from a collecting perspective and if it's fun and if I want to rip it open, you know, like, gosh, in 2009, I spent so much time ripping open uh, Magic the Gathering and Fortnite boxes that it was, it was just crazy. Now I've kind of gotten all of that out of my system. So when I buy a sealed product, um, which is something that I've been more interested in from an investment perspective, um, I, I never run, I never run the risk of accidentally or not being able to fight the urge to open them. Um, but, you know, I'm curious to talk about a uh, sealed product, sealed vintage product, or, you know, just sealed product in general. Um, do, does that make up I, so I'm assuming that your cards make up a significant part of your collection compared to sealed product. But um, one thing that I've I've been seeing is that looking at cards from an investment perspective, and, and now at this point, I don't look at specific individual cards because I want to invest in it. I look at them to collect um, only because right now, just with slabs and, and I don't know, I just feel like there's so much volatility with individual cards because now over the next 12, 18 months, we're going to really see like the true populations of things. Um, and so from an investment perspective, that seems incredibly risky to spend hundreds on slabs, um, just to invest. Right. Um, like I, I feel like for myself, I need to focus on the card first, like from a collecting perspective. Um, But which is why I've been kind of getting more into sealed because, you know, sealed, you can never replenish sealed vintage product, you know, as that those numbers go down, they're always going to go down, they're never going to come back up. But you know, what will go up is cards, Um, you know, maybe not necessarily the mintiest cards, but you know, every box that gets opened, you know, there's one box less in the world and there's now however many more cards in the world. So I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on a uh, sealed product? Do you buy a lot of it? Um, is it something that you've kind of focused on over the years? What, uh, what are your thoughts there?
1: Okay. So, so yeah, that's a great question. Um, I do want to comment because I, I do want to, um, you know, again, reiterate what you said about, about collecting first, when you've been asking me about, about Pokemon, about other things, Magic the Gathering, whatever it would be, uh, because I don't have an interest in those things. I've already got so much going on in life in general. I don't have any place else for my brain to go. I can't go there. I'm trying to insulate myself for survival. Mm -hmm. So that's why I talk about it more from an investment standpoint. But you're right. You know, I see the people when you talk about the love of ripping open those packs if it's Fortnite or something else. And and I know I've got some friends in the UK. I think Dan's another one, Gigabyte, you know, DJ Dan Norton. He's I think they do Harry Potter. There, you know, yeah. there's all this other obscure stuff that's just people love it. And I think that's fantastic. You should collect what you like. It looks cool in a binder. It makes you feel good when you open it. Collectors have this very different mentality of just almost having it knowing you own it and then it's in your cupboard or your, you know, whatever it's called is is what makes us collectors. We just love knowing it's there. So, um, so that's important to reiterate. I shouldn't talk just about investment because for me, I would never go there for collecting. And that's why I came to the other side and talked about it. Now, sealed product, by far the best thing you can buy from an investment standpoint for all of the reasons that you said. So yeah, I, I didn't mention at the beginning, I do have one of every sealed box that's ever been made um, since the beginning. Uh, when I say that, I don't, It has to have different cards inside so if a box has a different colored wing or it's got a different you know it's from the uk versus this but the cards are exactly the same inside as any other box then i will not collect that there's probably probably two or three boxes that fall into that category but if it's first edition or unlimited or red fossil logo that's got certain variants in it or if it's you know shadowless etc then i do have all of those boxes i have all of those in sealed condition. And I have every one of the theme decks from each and every set going back as well to today. So mm. that was always part of my, the only thing I didn't collect that I, again, have to sell at some point is I, in these early collections, I have the individual packs. So I oh, have the, okay. those folks collected one of every cover art. So I've got four of this, four of that, four blisters. Um, but I I always knew those packs would be inside the boxes. So I didn't keep it going trying to collect one of every cover art because I kind of know they're in the boxes. Right. Um, so so uh, yes, investment-wise, it is the best thing because they do disappear. I think we're at a crossroads right now in the sense that no one has a clue what's going on. I think it's so interesting that everybody you know, will project an opinion on how much uh, supply is out there. And what you've got is this really crazy dynamic where if you're a seller and you're holding product, in vintage of any kind, especially those EX years or the diamond and pearl years or whatever there was the least kind of supply that was put out, nobody wants to sell them because they're too afraid of selling it at 2,000 and a week later, it's 5,000, too afraid of selling it at five and a week later, it's 10.
2: Mm-hmm. So that's
1: stuff's not coming up for sale at all, very infrequently, and, and it disappears. And the next thing you see is it's up 10 or 15 or 20,000, and no one knows to do what to do with it. Right. So that is a really people say, what does that mean? And I don't have a clue, you know, for me, here's what it means for me. It means for me, I'm going to sell my stuff and I don't look back. That's how I am because, you know, I, again, I have extras of all of this and I'm going as fast as I can to get it out there because you know what? So it's 20,000, you get 20 and next person's going to get 50. I can't worry about that. You have to worry about the fact you have to worry about yourself, look into yourself, figure out what's okay with you. And you know what? There's no guarantees. I've said it forever. I also have some cases. I just picked up. My dad is very old. We picked up some cases of Fleer and um, baseball cards from 1989. And I am selling those cards on eBay for less than I paid for them in 1989. Doesn't matter if it's a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie, whatever it is. They have gone down in value. So what you realize at the end of the day, it's still a piece of cardboard. It's not gasoline for your car. It's not food on your table. And there's no guarantees. And if people understand that and they're okay making money on whatever they make, then you don't have to question yourself all the way until the, you know, the the day you die and say, gosh, I wish that was a terrible mistake. No, (laughs) just hold it and made a few dollars. You're okay. You'll be okay.
0: Oh, oh, absolutely. I I can completely agree with that because I think, you know, at least for for my, uh, smaller uh, stretch of time that I've been in the hobby, I've learned this lesson the hard way. And I've got two rules for myself. First rule is don't open sealed unless you have a reason to do it, but like also don't try too hard to find a reason, like keep it sealed, you know? Um, but if you find a good reason, then, then that's good. Like if you want the experience of opening up a set, or if you want to learn a set better, go ahead. But if you're not sure, like just just like let that be your decision. And the second, uh, the second thing that I've learned is, it's hard to have seller's remorse on a thing when you sold it for a specific reason because you needed that money for something. Now, hopefully, it's not an emergency. <laughs> you know, that would be a terrible. It, it's really unfortunate when you know collectors have to do that um, out of an emergency. It's really tragic. Um, but if you're buying property or if you're buying some other, if you want to move into some other investment, those are excellent reasons to sell something. And it's hard, in my opinion, to feel remorse because you're doing it deliberately and you're, you have a a really good reason to do it. Probably the only reason I think I would sell my collection or big parts or more valuable parts of my collection is literally just to buy my first house and yeah. and put that as a down payment. And I really like, I, I say that now, I, I don't think I would have seller's remorse, but like, that's, it's really easy for me to say, but I, I kind of feel like I, I still do feel that that's the truth because I mean, it's something that's still valuable to you and you're putting that money to good use. It's hard to, you know, to have that remorse, but you know, at the same time too, everything that you do is a lesson. So you either won. Or you learned a lesson, and and those lessons increase your pain threshold. Because I know people that um, have sold, you know, uh, sealed first edition boxes, you know, for for let's say seven thousand, and then you know weeks or months later it went for double, triple that, right? So. Right. But you can't be mad. You, you just really can't. Like, like what you said, you just got to move on, <laughs> move on with your life onto the next thing. I mean, you still won. If you bought a box and you didn't spend that much money on it and you sold it for 7000 you still won. you know. So. Yeah, and if somebody
1: told you, if you knew it was going to triple, quadruple a hundred times in value, that's a different deal. But we don't know that. And so to mm-hmm. beat yourself up over knowledge we don't have, is something that just makes zero sense. It's understandable from a psychological standpoint and of course we always question we always question ourselves and go over it but now I can mm-hmm. tell you that this is the craziest thing. I I haven't opened a pack of cards for myself personally um probably since since the year 2000. So I've I have literally never opened a pack since the very first year they came out. 99 it was by 1988, 98 or 99 when I had mm-hmm. my kids and we would go to the store and we buy a handful of cards. That was the last time since that time I've always known the value because of my days and the other uh, hobbies of keeping things sealed mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and even with today there's all these today, the whole latest thing is weighing everything and because, yes. I, don't, <laughs> because I don't judge, I, I think people need to do what they need to do, and I think there's people that find value in buying something weighed and whether or not it's the right information or wrong. I don't know anything about it because I don't weigh but I do know that I just, I'm not a believer in it for me and I've never weighed anything and I never will because I think that there's some people that like the idea of not necessarily paying more for something and that there's still the gamble, you don't know what you're going to get. And they also can trust the fact that it's not weighed. But it's very, it's interesting how few people say unweighed. They say sealed or untouched or untampered or brand new. But, But, and I sort of appreciate that that you don't couch it as unweighed when it's really not, when it's really weighed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so right. The, the iterations of a hobby where there's more and more ways to make money, and you kind of see it come out and, and sort of rear its head in a, a myriad of different ways.
0: Yeah, I, I can, I absolutely agree with you on that. Um, and, you know, so I've I've had a number of different conversations. And I think you might be the perfect person for this question. Because I don't, I don't know that I've really gotten, um, you know, a good answer because, um, and not, not that this passes judgment on anybody. Everyone is amazing and incredibly knowledgeable more so than myself, but with the modern era, like this recent modern era with, uh, with hidden fates and, and all of these recent sets since, since 2018 or 17, um, are we seeing parallels? So, so I, so I don't know, this is just something I've noticed, because I was collecting baseball cards as a kid in the 90s. I thought, you know, as I got older, all these cards are so awesome and amazing. And they're worth so much, but you know, the print runs in the 80s and the 90s were terrible. Comics too, terrible. It was it was they were printed through the roof. I mean, you might as well, they printed them like toilet paper, you know? Um, do you think that we're kind of in that era with Pokemon and and the reason why I ask and it and it might not quite be a straightforward answer only because there's so much demand and I don't know if it echoes the same kind of demand as there was in the 90s and the 80s with baseball, but you know anyways, I, I'm just curious on your thoughts does does it look the same to you from that time?
1: Well, when you mentioned this earlier, and I got to thinking about, you know, what was the difference? What's the difference between those, you know, that Honus Wagner, and then you move to the to the 60s and tops or the 50s and tops, and then finally get to the 80s, what, what happened was Major League Baseball, they opened up the licensing. And so oh. now you didn't have, you had Fleer, you had Upper Deck, you had Bowman, you had Donruss, you had, you know, Panini, you had everything starting to come out, mm-hmm. and that really attributed to a lot of that oversupply and i I liken it to going to if you've ever gone to a grocery store and you want to buy a can of corn you just want to walk out with a can of corn but there's 16 brands of corn and you're like you know and someone that doesn't shop like me is like oh my goodness what do i do now so i think that's one of the things that we are fortunate we don't have going against us with pokemon nintendo right now although there's a lot of stuff being printed it is clearly the case that greed has entered from all aspects. Greed has entered from the distributor side. Greed has entered from the wholesaler side. It just gets, everybody's taken a cut earlier in the chain mm-hmm. and it's causing it. I mean, all of the people I bought from all of the dealers for the last 10 years, I can't buy from them anymore at, at wholesale prices. They're higher than small, almost retail. And it's because they've got so many people scooping it up. So, you know does this media franchise thing is it critically important 100 percent. does pokemon need to continue to put out the shows and put out the go and put out the the video game and put out the movies and put out the apparel and pokemon center with their stupid limited stuff that they sell out of in four and a half minutes that nobody can get their hands on um you know if the, if all of this continues you know it will either continue to keep that demand rolling or it will turn off a lot of people too you know, I mean, that's one of the frust... I'm very frustrated with a lot of it. I just say, you know what? It's not worth me. Wor- I want to buy it at $15 like I should be able to. I should mm-hmm. easily be able to buy from Pokemon Center a card from $15, $20. But unfortunately, it causes me so much pain internally dealing with the selling out and the inability to get it. I just going to have to pay 80 or 100 and buy the card out on eBay when it comes out. So that frustration is always there. And I think a lot of people are tired of that. But the single licensing situation... Um, is creating a nice situation where it's keeping people kind of all locked up in the same cesspool of demand and supply, and it's so. Yeah, are we probably overproducing? And, and everybody's worried. The unknown is what kills it, right? Are they going to reprint it yeah. three times, six times, one hundred and six times, or two hundred and thirty times in the next five years? But overall, people are still continuing to to eat it up. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, um you know, that is something that I did not think of, but that is so true. Huh? I mean, it, I mean, so there there's a lot of ways that the comparison between these two eras that we're seeing of of baseball versus Pokemon. You know, there's a lot of ways where it's an apples to oranges uh comparison, but I I I definitely didn't think about it from that perspective. That's that's incredibly true. So, um man, so so then I guess how should how should collectors move right um because from what we've been kind of talking about we don't necessarily run all of the risks right because we do have a very singular you know pokemon cards only come from one place um so that's a pro um compared um but with the rising prices um and and this is something that I've always agreed with Pogagal on this. I, I love that she educates her users in this way. You know, why are, why a new set that's just coming out? Why are you paying so much more over MSRP? Unless you want to support your local uh, your LGS or your LCS, I, I get that because they tend to you know a little bit higher prices. It makes sense. They have bills to pay. It, it makes total sense. But um, you know, managing that perspective and and to be quite honest. Um, you know, it it really shocks me that the Pokemon Center doesn't have a way. So my thought is, is that the reason why a lot of things sell out is because they're using bots and automation to do that. And, and I don't build automations to buy things, but I do that in my job. <laughs> so I know how that's done. And I know um, when you have to, you know, circumvent certain things just to get a particular task done. With that said, there are so many ways that their end uh pokemon nintendo on their end that they can mitigate those things servers can detect bots and there's so many different ways to do that now of course it's a, it's a constant battle because okay so th- th- they now have these new security precautions on the server and so uh you know um developers that Um, are creating these bots are going to try to combat those things and vice versa. So I'm sure it's a constant battle and, and, and I'm sure they have enough resources to figure those problems out. It just kind of surprises me that I guess maybe it hasn't seemed to quite make an impact, you know, like for example, with the skateboard that went out like that, you're literally in the middle of filling out the form and it's already sold out. Or, or or, you don't even know, you're able to to to, to press the submit button and, and it loads, but you're not still 100% sure that they got your order, right? I mean, those things happen even on Panini's website with Fortnite. I know a few people that, you know, ordered something, it went through, but then something happened on the back end and, it, you know, they still weren't able to get their order, which is really unfortunate, but. Um, yeah, let me, I'll take it
1: one more step because this is my frustration. I'm a human being, I am not a bot. I'm sitting in my office, I'm using one computer to the left, one to the right, my phone and I've got a child or two on the phones. All I want is a single card or a Mm -hmm. single pack, a single box. I'm not buying for quantity. And it tells me, I'm sorry, you are a bot. We know you're a bot, you have tried to do this log on, you've tried to reset your screen 10 times, You are a bot. We will now not let you come back to our site for the next 24, 48, 72 hours. That's what I'm talking about, the frustration, Mm -hmm. that they, they don't. Look, I love Pokemon's products. The company, you know, and I have no business making this. I just am not a guy that makes conclusions unless I really believe it. They don't care right now about anything other than producing product, right? They're so profitable in everything they're doing They do not have to put a technology back end in. They do not have to worry about a bad user experience. They can ship product through wholesalers and distributors and get it out. And whatever people pay, Pokemon gets what they get on the front end. It gets paid to them and they make their money. Mm -hmm. And so they they don't, they're not concerned. The closest thing is, is a couple of, you know, articles that have come out recently, right? One said, we're going to print more. All right. Well, so at least you've heard us. We'll see. We'll see what that means.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey, what are
1: we going to do? We're going to print more, but we're not going to tell you what we're going to print. Well, how does that work? I guess you could say that's as harmful to people as anything else. If you're going to go back three or four years in a collectibles hobby and print things that people thought they had good, solid investment value in, but you don't know. So mm-hmm. that makes sense, again, from a helping the the buyer type of situation. And the second thing is, oh, we're going to not put out the the pre-release, um, yeah, the pre-release staff cards because we're not running tournaments. So the idea is we're not running tournaments now. So why should we have staff cards coming out to people when we're not staffing anything? And those staff are taking those cards and selling them for quadruple what they, they get them for free. Yeah. they're not them for 5, 10, 15, 20. They're selling them for $400. That's ridiculous. And that just looks bad. That looks like they have egg on their face. So I think that's a smart move just to, from an optics standpoint, from maintaining a solid narrative. But show me something they've done to really help. I mean, I can't buy a jumbo. People hate jumbo cards. I'm sorry, I hate to tell you that. I have a jumbo video, people think it's a joke. I have every jumbo card that Pokemon's ever made in the English language, all right? It's one of my most prideful things because I think it's one of the hardest things to have ever put together, Um, huge.
0: And keep it in good condition.
1: And keep it in good condition because you know they gotta be eight nines or tens, right? So they're the first Galar packs, or the I'm sorry, first partner packs for the 25th anniversary. You can't, I can't get them. You know, I mean, I can go and pay triple, quadruple the price. I've got people that said, "Hey, David, there's some in my local store. You know, maybe I can pick up a couple extra for you. Just reimburse me, absolutely." So just something as super stupidly simple as that to maintain my collection. Is now okay, maybe you can find them for $50 somewhere if you're lucky enough, instead of the $9.95 they're supposed to be. So so that part will always bother me that there's but I understand it. It's just it's um what do they call it? It's capitalism in the United States of America and everybody's entitled. I know Gal gets so mad, like, and I get it totally. Like I don't disrespect. She's like, why do I want to sell a box to somebody who's gonna box break it for 107 times what they bought it for me for? Well, but I say to her, you know what? You need to understand, they're buying it from you. If you wanted $20,000, they might be the only one. I'm, I keep using that number randomly. <laughs> but you know, they might be the only one willing to pay you $20,000 because they, are, they know they'll get 40000 So you don't have to sell it to them, but someone else is going to be glad to take 20000 on the box they pay $2,000 for. So it's just capitalism in whatever form you, you look at it and, and agree with it or not, it's part of how this country was built over the course of time.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and I can understand um, collectors who collect modern. I don't collect modern, so it's not something that I necessarily worry about for me personally, but I do worry about for that in general just because, you know, people who are just trying to collect one or two boxes, it just kind of sucks that, you know, now you have to go through all these hoops, you know, that I can absolutely acknowledge, but the one thing that kind of worries me a little bit the most is how these newer generations are – um, interacting with the brand um, from 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 this perspective, because um, part of what made Pokemon so freaking big is 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 the many different ways that you could interact and build uh, you know, I don't want to say a relationship, but that's the first word that comes to mind, but build, but build a connection with, with the brand. And so this could really hurt, uh, cards because children don't necessarily have the ability to build the nostalgia with these particular sets. Um, you know, for, for this time being, which just makes me a little nervous. Um, from that perspective, because I think you have to make sure to to manage that properly. And, and that could, like what you were saying, there really hasn't been anything much from your perspective that Pokemon seems to be doing to uh, focus on the community. They, they seem to be focused on the capitalist part of it. But I think from that perspective, they need to worry because... You know, that's why Pokemon has continued to be huge is because they've been able to connect with children. And this obviously is just a particular part of their brand that people can connect with. It could have an impact in the future for at least these sets. I don't know. It is something that's crossed my mind. And you know, I mean- I'll
1: give you one example, McDonald's cards, okay? So the McDonald's cards come out. You're a little kid. You're sitting in your mom and dad's car. You drive through the McDonald's drive through and you get the Happy Meal and you go, we'd like the Happy Meal. Oh, my God, they're so excited that Pokemon cards. And they say, sorry, we're out. We don't have any. What do you mean you won't have any? Yeah, we, we don't have any. Well, you'll get some next week. No, we're not sure. No, no um, monitoring, no allotments, no anything. How do you feel if you're that little kid or those parents who think, wow, well, there's a nice promotion put out by Pokemon and your first taste was that taste for yeah. a young child? That can tarnish it forever. That could be, I don't want to have anything to do with this brand anymore. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not one, I'm not sitting in the corporate offices figuring it out, but I certainly would strive to make things a bit more even-handed, even-keeled, maybe more limited. You're the early people in the distribution chain. You should not be allowed to raise your prices more than this.
0: Absolutely.
1: De- figure it out so at least everybody's kind of on the same page and people don't come away with that bad, uh, that bad taste in their mouth.
0: Oh, absolutely. One of my coworkers called me one time. They were leaving McDonald's and they were so pissed because of that exact situation. The girls are so excited to get, you know, open up Pokemon packs and and they couldn't. And and I mean, now thank God they still have a positive relationship with the brand, regardless of that particular incident. But you do run the risk that, that it, it is possible that it, it can tarnish the the brand for some people. So I don't know. I hope they start changing their tune a little bit. I hope they can get it figured out. I mean, of course it's easy for, you know, me to say the things that I say without having full context on everything that they're doing, all the moving pieces, what they have in mind, you know, what precautions of things they're going to be implementing in the future. You know, I don't know. So, so, but, but I do hope they are able to see all of this happening. I hope that they're at least aware and and I hope they're having conversations because I, because I would think that, could catapult into something into action (laughs)
1: Yeah, i hope you're right for sure yeah yeah
0: which so it's coming up to 9 30 and i want to be respectful of your time because i know you do have a lot going on so i was wondering if it was okay if i could ask one more question
1: Yes, of course. And, and the thing is, at this point, I'm going to let you do whatever you want because one, it's your podcast. <laughs> two, two you, you clearly have bad intentions with that whole band card thing you're looking for, uh, the Sabrina whatever gaze. I would think somebody who's called herself geeked out collecting, <laughs> Would really have no, you know, like what's the deal? How can you be both? How can you be the bad girl and the geeky girl? But I guess that's you. You've got all sides of you looking for it to advantage. So yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So you brought up earlier that you have a whole bunch of shadowless PSA nines on your website. And I actually did see that before we hopped on today. I thought it was really interesting. And, um, you know, I'm curious. Um, I'm surprised no one's grabbed them. Do you have any theories on that?
1: I I do not know anything about that. So isn't that interesting? Um, I I bought a collection recently, and it was all of the vintage sets coming up through. And that's what I've just finished kind of putting on the website. Mm. And so, and the one thing that the collector kept, they kept maybe a card or two and they kept their shadowless set. And I thought that was interesting is, you know, they really felt a kinship or a connection to that one set that was not one of the all of these sets that were in the collection. Mm-hmm. And so again, I sort of I think I reacted to that a little bit. I think that I've known Shadowless. Look, I know what I paid for the boxes when I bought them before right before the surge a couple a year ago or whatever, maybe 18 months ago. And I think the boxes, I don't know what they sell for and I don't look at any of this stuff. But if I paid 13, 14, or 15,000, on a box, I would certainly think that it must be worth 50 now or somewhere in that vicinity, but I don't know. So Why wouldn't this be a valuable in-demand thing? I don't know. But again, people don't come to me for PSA stuff. They may not even realize it's there. It could be nothing more than that. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the same time, you'd be better to tell me, I don't have an idea.
0: Well, um, so... I mean I mean my my uh my listeners they do know I've brought Shadowless up a few times because going back to rarity and going back to numbers and going back to print sizes or estimations of print sizes that we have it's really shocking that Shadowless isn't valued higher um than certain first edition for uh cards um just because there there's quite a few PSA 10s that the lower pop is in the shadowless versus the uh the first edition. But anyways, um so, so I I would think that, and and I guess maybe it comes down to education of the market. And I don't wanna just like blindly always say that, um, because I'm sure there's nuance there, but gosh, I, I just feel like Shadowless is completely slept on. Uh completely, completely slept on. And I think I don't know. I, I I can I can imagine the rubber band effect happening with Shadowless in the future because it just kind of blows my mind. Which also, since you know a lot of, a a lot of things within English sets, I'm really curious. So, the intro, the 1998 intro packs and the cards in those packs, they're shadowless. And of course, they're just like commons and uncommons and just, you know, cards to get to get people introduced. So the hollows came out when the shadowless set came out uh, officially after the first edition. Um, can you tell the difference between the cards? Like from the intro pack versus the second printing of shadowless, I say that loosely cause that might necessarily be accurate.
1: Are you talking about the demo packs, the ones that are kind of blue?
0: The blue and white ones.
1: The blue and white ones, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think I can tell the difference between a darn thing. I, I, you know, people always think I'm this expert, and there's things that I've learned along the way for sure, uh, but I, I really I have been so consumed by, by picking up everything that I haven't been able to dive down selectively until just this last year. And some things I've sort of dove more in versus others.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: I've learned so many things that I had no idea that there was a first, a base set fourth print. I didn't know that. I didn't know there were the red fossil logo cards, a third, a fossil set third print with different copyright dates. So all of these things. I didn't know
0: that, I, that either. <laughs> yeah,
1: so, so I've now learned these things and had to go after those, and it still pushed back the other stuff as far as the the numbers and the and the specifics um, of the shadow lists. You know, uh, so I don't know. Um, I know I've seen. I think you're going to see a whole new era of collectors that are going to be focused on picking up individual unopened packs whether or not those packs will be sealed or not, or, or I, I'm sorry, they'll all be sealed, but whether or not they'll be searched or weighed, I don't know. That means different things to different people. It's because of an affordability factor. So along yeah. With those people, yeah, that's still about the only thing that's still affordable when you can't buy the boxes. Um, so I think that'll happen. And then alongside of that, I've seen the demo packs go for a ton. The creator packs are now more and more rare, the E3 sealed packs. So those folks that wanna to try to maintain a sealed pack type of situation, will probably drive those higher, but I'm not sure it's actually because of the contents of the packs as opposed to more the sealed nature of the pack itself, which doesn't answer your question at all, but thanks for letting me give it a stab.
0: <laughs> well, I, I think too is those cards, uh, those packs are historical. Like those were the first ones printed, period. Well, English, English. <laughs> let, let me preface English. Those were the first one they came out before the first edition base set. Um, okay, so... I, I don't know if they were actually literally printed before first edition base set, but they did get into people's hands first before first edition base set. So, um, but yeah, I, um, I, I would say I would agree with that point because I feel like I'm one of those people yeah. <laughs> that, that is me. I, I cannot, I, I can only afford to buy shares of, of sealed yeah. boxes. So I've got some shares on rally with uh with a few of those boxes there, which has been nice. We'll see how that actually goes. I, I don't know where that will end up, but <laughs> it's kind of nice to say, I guess that I, I own parts of, of uh, sealed boxes, but, but yeah, I can definitely agree. I think um, definitely something that's come out in the last few years is a lot more sealed collectors there there's a there's significantly more sealed collectors and not just in pokemon too that actually applies to magic the gathering as well and i know that because i'm also one of those people um and i think i think you know you just have people like me who who grew up um back in the day and didn't nec- and, and just got into everything really late because it just took us a while Right. It took us a while to get back in. Um, obviously there are some that are my age or younger that have been in for a while and that was just their situation. But someone like me, I definitely fall into that because, you know, I fall into that weird category of collector and investor with, you know, a little bit of disposable income that can put into those things. And I don't mind keeping things sealed. But um but yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I guess like like going back to Shadowless and why they they maybe don't get as much credit i don't know recognition i I always wonder if it comes down to truly being educated on those cards being be knowing that they are very rare (laughs) and they're also that that's the only set that came with shadowless like only shadowless cards they were the only ones that appeared. (laughs) So, I mean, just thinking about those things, I I, this is something I've been kind of just, you know, talking and soundboarding with other collectors because the one thing that I try to be careful of is information. You know, I don't want to try and hype something up when there really isn't any value in it and and me like misspeaking and affecting people's purchases from that perspective. But it kind of like after talking to a few collectors, it makes me feel a little bit more um, positive that you know in those statements that i i just kind of feel just just based on you know just some basic knowledge that i think those are undervalued right now um i mean well, would you think that would you say that they're at least undervalued
1: well i don't i don't know if they're undervalued but i will say this the the point to to your point go on ebay anybody go on ebay and look up shadowless and pick a card and look it up or look up first edition or look up the card name itself for anything to do with those numbers and you'll see more listings that are completely confused with what they're even listing. They're just copying other people because they have no idea what they're even listing. That alone, half the time I'm looking at that and I will have to call a friend and I'll say, can somebody help me out here? Is this really shadowless? Is this not like it's, it it almost is that, what is it called? Gaslighting. When you convince your, you convince someone of something. So Uh that's what it's like to me. It's like, I'm looking at it and I'm being convinced when I know that shouldn't make the, the case. And so I have to look at 10 listings to figure out which four are right or which six are right or which eight or two are right because they're so messed up. So, so I do think there's a great deal. There's so many new people coming in that, mm-hmm. it, that there's a ton of people who are going to come to any of these realizations over the course of time. Um, it just, it, it, like you said, think about how many sets are there. I should know that. And I don't, I know how many cards cause I know there's probably about 30,000 cards roughly on my spreadsheet. But if you look back at all the sets, right, with their 60 or 70 or 80, that's a lot of information to absorb different eras, different this, that people have to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people probably don't even go there because of affordability right from the get go. So, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I think you probably have a very valid point.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing too, about this era of Pokemon, um, and I guess maybe it's probably characteristic of other eras, but maybe more prominent in this era, uh, being, being a data person, like I said, the sales data for you know pokemon cards is so hard to keep clean just because it's only as good as how the seller has listed it how well the seller and how well and how accurate the seller has listed those listings so if you're plugging into you know ebay's api i mean just it's almost like you have to go row by row and then also too uh part of the reason, you know, part of the fact that eBay doesn't really confirm sales, <laughs> you know, then you have to kind of dig into individual listings to make sure that it wasn't some kind of shill or, or anything like that. Getting getting accurate sales data is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly difficult and, and, and evaluating them on some kind of mass schedule without any kind of manual, you know, work to be done. Oh my God, it's it's so difficult. I'm really hoping for all of these problems, I'm really hoping to maybe resolve them by the 30th anniversary. I don't know. We'll see. I've I've had conversations where, you know, maybe we should, you know, maybe we should get all like all of the slabs and, and put them on a blockchain and figure out a way to incentivize uh, you know, collectors to put their cards on a blockchain so that you can then maybe uh, chart out prices and things like that or 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 previous sales, things like that, kind of like what PSA does um with the certs if you put the certs in the listing there, there there's so many things that i've 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 talked to people about because there's a lot of um man, it is so wild wild west <laughs> I, with everything. so you know I, I always try to tell people like just do your research and make sure that you know what you're buying and you know also negotiate too if you can if if there's you know a best offer that you can throw out there you know definitely try to negotiate because one of the things that I'm worried about for newer collectors especially even if you are coming at it from a just a collecting perspective. Like, oh, you know, these are cards that have, that are really important to me. I used to own them when I was a kid and I lost my collection and I want to get everything back. One thing that I do really worry about and maybe not so much for right now because everything's been really slow. I think I've had conversations with others that it seems like we're going to creep into like a sleepy, a sleeper summer for for a lot of things. Um, but it makes me worried too because a lot of these cards have price ceilings, and I think that's not necessarily something that newer collectors consider. And what I don't want to happen is I don't want people to pay incredibly over market um, for something that maybe over time won't grow in value. I mean, of course, like I said, depending on motivation, you know, growth isn't the number one thing. Um, you know, if you do want a card and you just want to own it, then, and if you have the liquidity and, and it's not going to put you in the poor house, then fine, go ahead and do it. Um, but, but I don't know that. And that's, that's something that I worry about too, for myself, because there are, you know, slabs that I kind of try to look out for and just the prices just seem too, some of them are just too much, (laughs) just too much too much higher than than what I would think would probably be their ceiling for the next like five to 10 years and or, or too close to that um so
1: and, and you said it right you know you said do your research you know be an informed buyer there's so many people I call it the herd mentality they just follow the herd and mm-hmm. even in investing you're not supposed to do that in the markets and stock markets etc so there's so much resources these days for research there is ebay there are the facebook posts There's people that run sites, I guess, on pricing of cards. You've got so many ways to turn. And then there's folks like me. Anybody can can reach out to me. I'm not charging for anything. I'm not making them charge, pay a Patreon. I'm not, you know, I've got the, the, some of the nicest people I've known over time. When I call them for help, they're like, you know, sure, we'll do this if you pay us this much money. So that's people that have the greed has gone to them and I, they are entitled to do that, but it sure doesn't make me think of them as a friend anymore. Um, So, so I believe in helping people. And part of what this community is, is that we all can give back and help each other and distinguish if you're a collector or investor. And and you said it right. If you're a collector, buy what you want to buy and don't think twice about it. And if you've got the money, do it. If you're an investor, you got to be more careful and you have to be and because there's in the investment markets no matter what they are there's always going to be someone buying at the top and that's the loser when you mm-hmm. buy at the top and the market turns that's how it is so if you buy for investment you better buy with some kind of downside sales discipline or you better buy with some holding time frame in mind or you better buy with extra disposable income financial resources you have like you said and that you're not down to your last dollar and you just have to sell it and bail out because it didn't go the way you you hoped to so Mm -hmm. Um, But I think between the data out there, the community and folks like me and others that are willing to help, uh, you can really build a great knowledge base and at least take a, um, create a higher likelihood of success for yourself than if you're either listening to people who may have the wrong motivation to tell you something, or if you're trying to do it on your own.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it comes down to mitigating risk. So just, just do what you can to, to mitigate that. So, um, but anyways, I mean, you know, again, I want to be respectful of your time. So, you know, I know you're saying this is my show, but but I don't, I don't want to keep you here because I can ask questions for days. I really can. And honestly, you know, I feel like there's some things that we've only really scratched the surface on. So so what I'd like to do now is is I want you to let everyone know first off where can, where can they find you in the best place where they can ask for questions. Um, and then also, if you have any parting thoughts that you'd like everyone to know, um, definitely please do okay. so.
1: Yeah. Thank you. So, so my first parting thought is I've had to look at this old man's face for like a couple hours now. And, <laughs> and I've noticed, you know, because I always seem to come out red on the, uh, first why I like our matching shirts. Let me start there. We definitely yes. have a stripe going on. Okay. <laughs> Number two is my, my appearance. I'm going to tell you that I finally was back outside today for the first time in maybe a year coaching three basketball games. And oh, so, so much fun! Yes, I went three and zero, but I got a lot of red. And even though I put on makeup before the broadcast to try to tone it down, it seems to not have worked at all. Okay, I don't need comments from either one of you. Keep it up. Here. All right, number two. Let's see. What I want folks to know is that um, I liked when you said uh, you can deal with me, make offers. I, I do have a website. I'm proud of it. I'm not very much, very often proud of something, but I've done it all myself. I put it together. I built it. Um, uh, and, and, and I'm sort of like, a, at this point, this talking, I feel like I'm a bot here. So I'm just actually, just a bot. <laughs> I'm not myself. Um, so it's David Pokey person, David P- Pokey, P-O-K-E. You can't say like Pokemon. It's a licensing thing. You can say like, you could say like the Pokey fish or something. And then person is my last name, P-E-R-S-I-N.com. So there I do sell my extras. I try to list some every week, if not every, you know, when I get the, the time wherewithal, I'm really busy with the homeschooling my son during the pandemic with a career and with the website, not to mention coaching. So I try to do as best I can. But um, I do try to put stuff out there that is stuff you won't see in a lot of other places. And virtually everything is near mint to mint or better. Otherwise, it's in my clearance or sale buckets. And you can find stuff for 47 cents, 97 cents. People love that. And I love selling it because it makes people happy and it doesn't kill a budget. Um, I do have at uh, d person one d p e r s i s i n one at Instagram. Um, people are mad at me. They're always mad at me that I'm not doing more videos. I've got people all the time. Please, David, put another one out. So as we get to the summer, and I hopefully won't have as much of a burden with my son and having to do that from 8 to 2.30 every day, I'll be able to put some more out there. But in the meantime, I am trying to I have a lot of folks that shop on the site and I know you guys want more stuff and I'm pushing as hard as I can. So um, so that does make a difference. I joke around, but I'm not joking about the fact that that you know my wife and I, as we come towards 60 and and as I'm a financial advisor that take care of people with their money, when you get 60, 65, 70, people drop dead. It happens all the time, unfortunately. You don't have a lot of great years of life left where you're not infirmed. And I want to live them without having to deal with websites and the rest. So. So if you're looking for stuff and you're listening to this, I've got every unopened box out there except an extra one of everything except first edition, you know, base. Um, they'll all be out there. Uh, every I've got multiple sets coming that are going to be full sets, individual cards of all of vintage through EX, through anything. So, yeah, just come check us out, and I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, I'll put uh, links uh, in the show notes so that everyone can come find you. So, no doubt about that. We're gonna push you for sure, and um, you know because you do have a lot going on. If you ever need help with a website, I can help you. And If I can't help you, I know people that can. So, just FYI,
1: I, you've got... I appreciate that. That means a great deal because yeah, that, that's the geeked out part of you I love the most. So I'm gonna <laughs> take I'm gonna take you, and we're gonna figure out how to build bots that are really bots. <laughs> Special delivery card from the Pokemon Center when it ever comes out again. So
0: We'll try to figure something out. So, but anyways, I appreciate so much your time today. I, you've been wonderful. I, we need to have you on again so many times. However many times you'll let me is is what. And then we'll do panels with so many other cool collectors. It'll be great. I love the conversation. But thank you so much. I You're really welcome. appreciate and I,
1: it. And I'm always available because I do believe in the community. So it really means a lot to be able to help out where I can help you too. So congratulations on the channel. Looks like a wonderful thing. I heard great things, and you you definitely uh, you know held up your end of the bargain. So, so I, I, good luck with it. You're doing fantastic.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. That means a lot. So <laughs> anyways, thank you. And thank you, Pikachu and Psyduck appearances. I appreciate it. It's <laughs> quiet bodyguard so <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> anyways, thank you so much. Have a good night.
1: Okay, you too. Take care. You too.